Questions and Answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Mouas. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Very good day and welcome to another edition of Questions and Answers where we take your questions via SMS, fax. Um, you can call into our studio at reception as well during office hours and speak to Yasmina Peterson or uh, just chat to Zaydunisa and find out how you can get your questions through to Questions and Answers on uh, the regular Saturday slot between 6 and 7. Um, apologies for the last uh, um, missed show, but inshallah we'll try and catch up with all of your questions that you have sent through inshallah so please be patient with us in studio we have uh, the imam which is resident at the yusufia masjid uh, out in weinberg uh, sheikh ibrahim was assalamu alaikum sheikh and hope sheikh as well wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh uh, to you uh, sister hawa and all, to all our listeners uh, alhamdulillah i am well i hope uh, you are too and uh, as well as our honorable listeners inshallah inshallah so let's get into it sheikh the first one reads assalamu alaikum sheikh can person display someone's face on whatsapp if that person is not alive anymore bismillah rahman rahim alhamdulillah rabbil alameen wa sallallahu ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in uh, as we may well know the issue of photographs is something that had been disagreed upon by uh, modern scholars some had said that it is permissible others had said that it is not permissible it seems that it is of the necessities of life uh, we can't do without it because there's so many things that involve photographs like our passports our IDs etc um, so in terms of permissibility of keeping photos there are a great amount of scholars that had given permissibility to uh, for it uh, amongst them is a, a professor late professor Wahaba Zuhaili one of the great legal minds of the Muslim world who had said in his book called Fatawa Mu'asira that photographs are indeed permissible as long as there's no obscenity in it on covering of the aura etc and there's nothing wrong to keep photos to look at them to hang them uh, up etc if it's uh, merely for remembrance uh, there's no issue uh, in that so if a person has a photograph of your father or mother or late uh, loved one there, there should not be any objection according to uh, those who uh, deem photographs to be permissible uh, in general uh, it is a, a matter of uh, difference of opinion but as i said uh, a big amount of uh, contemporary scholars see it as as permissible so there should not be any issue jazakallah assalamu alaikum imam i recently embraced islam a fortunate unfortunately i got a girl pregnant afterwards we want to get married but my father do not want to go to the girl's parents and do not want anything to do with the wedding says he gives his blessing don't want to be part of everything how do i explain to my non-muslim parents the importance of going to the girl's parents yeah, fortunately for you, uh, if uh, the parents of uh, the woman had agreed uh, to give her off, especially the father being the wali or the guardian, if he agrees to marry his daughter to you, then that is all that you need really. You don't need uh, the consent of anyone else besides the guardian of uh, the girl's father. Uh, it would be nice to get your parents on board and to take them along but if they don't agree or they don't want to then of course you can proceed without them and in this case you could take anyone along with you uh, not that it's a condition you can go alone as well but if you feel more comfortable to take someone along with
with you to officially go and ask for marriage, then you can take any friend or an elderly person that you know to officially op- approach the parents. But if not, none of them are available, you can of course go on your own. And as I said, you don't need the consent of your father per se. It would be nice to have his uh, blessings. In fact, you say he, he is giving his blessings, so that is good. But he just doesn't want to accompany you. So I don't think you should force him to do so. Uh, you should then proceed either alone or just get somebody to accompany you in order to ask uh, the hand of this person's uh, daughter in ma- uh, for marriage. And inshallah, things will turn out then positively for you. Uh, we pray and we hope that that will be the case, inshallah. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum, uh, Sheikh. My son-in-law embraced Islam. Alhamdulillah, he has got quite a few tattoos on his body visible to the eye uh, advice please because he don't he doesn't have the money uh, for removal of these tattoos shukran yeah of course we know that uh, tattooing uh, is haram in islam um, we are not allowed the prophet ﷺ had given very strict instructions uh, to refrain from that and in fact uh, the prophet ﷺ had mentioned that a person is accursed who has any tattooing done on him etc on his body simply because our bodies are uh, a trust it's an amana which allah has given us and so we don't have the right to uh, to show our dissatisfaction or displeasure with allah ta'ala the way that he has created us however in this case obviously if the person had had it done before he became Muslim, then uh, if he becomes Muslim, there's no sin on him. He will not be punished for it because at the time when he did it, obviously he was perhaps not aware of this, so there won't be any sin, but he should try to remove it if he can. But if he's not able to remove it, then there shouldn't be a problem because Allah Ta'ala is not going to uh, put a burden on you that is more than what you can carry. Allah says, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا and uh, we find, uh, in fact, Imam al-Nawawi, uh, one of the great scholars uh, of Islam, had mentioned in his commentary on Sahih Muslim, he had mentioned this whole issue of, of, of tattooing. And he, in fact, uh, mentions, uh, f- uh, he says here, فَإِنْ أَمْكَنَ إِزَالَتُهُ بِالْعِلَاجِ وَجَبَتْ إِزَالَتُهُ if it's uh, possible to take away the tattooing through some kind of process uh, of taking medications or putting some ointment on it or whatever the case may be, some treatment, then you should do that. That is necessary. But he says if you fear that uh, if you're going to have to do an operation or something like that, that you may lose your limb, you may get a skin disease or skin uh, infection or or something terribly wrong could happen to you or you could be, uh, for example, uh, deformed after having uh, attempted to remove the uh, tattoo. So if if that is the case, he says, Lam tajib In this case, you obviously don't have to worry to remove the tattoo, but you leave it as is, because obviously saving your life or saving a limb is more important than removing the tattoo. Hmm. So basically the rule would be for this person, if he's able to remove it, then he should. If he's not able to, then there is no problem. He can make his salah like that. He can do everything as normal. And we as Muslims, we should not make an issue out of it. Uh, you know, we should not look down upon him because he has this status, especially if he got it before he embraced Islam. There should not be any issue uh, in that regard, inshallah ta'ala. Jazakallah, Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Can a person fast while he is a musafir? Um, yeah, 
on travel? Yeah, of course, a person may fast if he is uh, on travel. Uh, and in fact, if it is the month of Ramadan, it would be better for him to fast, even mm. if he's on traveling. Because we find in the verse 184 of Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah Ta'ala says, فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ مَرِيضًا أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ فَعِدَّةٌ مِنْ أَيَامٍ أُخَرٍ If a person is ill or on travel, he may pay in days after the month of Ramadan to make up for lost days if he did not fast. But in the same verse, Allah Ta'ala says, وَأَن تَصُومُ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ But mm. to fast is better for you. Because the month of Ramadan is special. So if it is during that period, it would be best to fast rather than not to fast. Except if, of course, the fasting is going to cause difficulty for him. Right? If it's going to be difficult, then it's best for him not to fast. And then to take the dispensation of not fasting. And this is something which the scholars had obviously uh, agreed upon. That it is permissible for him not to fast when he is obviously uh, uh, when he is uh, traveling. Uh, and uh, that should be uh, in his own uh, decision to make, you know, whether he wants to fast or not. Should he fast, the fasting will be valid. Should he break his fast because of traveling, that should also be valid. But the criteria that we look at is, if it's difficult upon him, he should rather not fast. If it's not difficult upon him, it's best for him to actually continue fasting if it is the month of Ramadan. Uh, and that are the different uh, scenarios uh, in that particular question. Jazakallah, Sheikh. And we'll leave it uh, there for now. When we get back, um, someone wants to know what is the ages um, to get married uh, around 17, 20 years old? Uh, Sheikh answers that and more of your questions just after the short break. Do stay tuned. Questions and answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Mouas. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome back. Questions and answers. Our SMSs are 47913. That's where you can send your questions through. And uh, Sheikh, uh, who is uh, answering your questions, Sheikh Ibrahim was, is in studio. So inshallah, please note that if your questions are sent through now, it will not be answered now, but uh, in the following week. So please be patient. Uh, 47913. And if you also haven't uh, gotten the chance to get your questions through, if you're listening to us across the lands and over the seas, please do Facebook us. Or send us an email, make it attention to Yasmina Peterson quest- questions and answers. So, Sheikh, uh, this one goes to Assalamu alaikum Alana. Can a boy of 20 years old get married with a girl of 17 years old? Yeah, of course, uh, uh, in a car like that would be permissible as long as the girl's uh, guardian or wali gives permission and consent for her to get married. She is, of course, mukallaf, she is of age, she is responsible already. And so for her to get married at that age, there is no problem at all, but she needs the consent of uh, her father. Uh, of course, for any bride who wants to get married needs the consent uh, of the father and the guardian. And of course, the other integrals of nikah must be present. In other words, there must be a spoken word that is given uh, on the day of the marriage coming from either the guardian or the representative of the guardian. And there must be an acceptance to this offer or this word. And there must be, of course, the husband and the wife or the prospective bride and groom. They must obviously uh, be aware of what is happening um, and, and so if and the wali of course must be there so if these integrals are to be found then the nikah will be correct regardless if the age is perhaps uh, seemingly a bit young so in this case 17 is seemingly a bit young because normally uh, in our custom uh, girls would get married slightly older than that uh, but as I said if the father gives permission to do so there would be no problem and from a sharia perspective the marriage would be would be halal and would be uh, accepted inshallah. Assalamu alaikum uh, Sheikh now what do you do if the situation between brothers and sisters have come to that point that your husband doesn't want you to go and visit them anymore because he doesn't feel welcome in their homes 
Yeah, this is something that happens uh, and it's uh, difficult uh, sometimes to deal with. Mm. And uh, I think all families have these kinds of issues and problems. Yeah. And the best advice that we always give is you try your best, you know, to live in harmony with others. You uh, play your part regardless how other people are treating you. Um, you should try to still show a good will or good character. And remember what you do is not for people. You do things for Allah's sake, you know, mm. and Allah will reward you for what you are doing. So regardless whether they are not giving you or not treating you well, you make sure that you treat them well. And there's a hadith that actually speaks to this directly. Hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari where the Prophet ﷺ had said, لَيْسَ الْوَاصِلُ بِالْمُكَافِئِ وَلَكِنَّ الْوَاصِلَ الَّذِي إِذَا قُطِعَتْ رَحِمُهُ وَصَلَهَا If a person visits you amongst your family, and you visit him back. Mm. The Prophet says there's nothing special about that, right? Because that is ordinary to reciprocate. Somebody gives you, you give back. Mm. But the Prophet says the true person who connects himself is the one when he has been cut off from his family, he continues to connect himself with them. Mm. So that is the true uh, significant or magnificent rather person who is able to still continue with good actions even though people don't treat him fairly. And even though people don't visit you, you still visit them if they are your family. You still try. So you're saying you feel uncomfortable because you don't feel. Don't think of all those things. You know, just try your best. If you see them, greet them. If you pop in there, no problem. If you don't want to stay long, that's also fine. But you do what you can to show good relations. And there's a hadith that I would like to quote here where the Prophet ﷺ had mentioned and the hadith appears in the book of Imam Al-Tabarani and Al-Hakim and Al-Bayhaqi on the authority of Abu Hurairah he says that ثَلَاثٌ مَنْ كُنَّ فِيهِ حَاسَبَهُ اللَّهُ حِسَابًا يَسِيرًا وَأَدْخَلَهُ الْجَنَّةَ بِرَحْمَتِهِ If a person has three qualities, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make his account easy on the Day of Judgment and Allah will definitely enter him into Jannah through his mercy. Through his mercy. So what are those three things? تُعْطِي مَنْ حَرَمَكَ you should give to those people that don't give you. Hmm. If people prevent you, you still give them. وَتَعْفُوا عَمَّنْ ظَلَمَكَ You should pardon those people who oppress you, who wrong you. Try to pardon, try to forgive, try to overlook. وَتَصِلُوا مَنْ قَطَعَكَ And you join yourself or connect yourself with those people who cut themselves off from you amongst your family. So here the Prophet again is reiterating this idea, no matter what people do to you, you still show kindness and goodness. And inshallah your reward lies with Allah. And this hadith shows the extent of that reward. If you do that, your account will be very easy in front of Allah. And that is something that we all need. Mm. We, we need Allah's mercy on that day of judgment. So Allah will look very favorably upon you and be merciful towards you. And also Allah Ta'ala will enter you into Jannah mm. because of this good act of yours and this good character of yours. And so this is the best advice that we can give situations such as these. Jazakallah, Sheikh, for that advice. Uh, moving on. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. A father reverted to Islam a few weeks ago. His two boys, aged 8 and 10, have been told to wait for shadow when they have been circumcised. The father was previously circumcised as a young man. Yeah, this is a, a common misconception. We often relate a person uh, becoming Muslim to the fact that he must be circumcised. Mm. And we often think that the one is dependent on the other. And you can't get Muslim, you can't become Muslim unless you are circumcised. Mm. And this is wrong. There is no real relation between the two. Uh, of course, circumcision is important. It is part of our tahara and cleanliness. It is something which is, uh, uh, even from a medical perspective, it has now proven to be something that is far more healthier. However, it is 
is not something which your shahada or your becoming Muslim is dependent upon. A person may become Muslim and not be circumcised. He mm. may do it at a later stage. There is no problem in that at all. And so we must be clear about this. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ, whenever somebody inquired about Islam and wanted to embrace Islam, there is no evidence to show that he ever asked them or told them that they should become circumcised first before he's going to give the shahada. So that is not a problem at all. There is something else, however, that one could consider here as uh, somewhat of an issue, and that is if the boys are minors, they are not yet mukallaf, do we really accept them to become Muslim if they are minors? Because obviously they are not mukallaf yet. So can they be responsible to take the shahada at that age? Mm. And here we find there is difference of opinion amongst our scholars as far as this is concerned. And uh, the majority of ulama, the majority say that it is permissible for a young boy if he is mumayiz. Mumayiz means if a, per, if a young boy is able to discern between right and wrong. Mm. He's able to clean himself, to eat by himself, to walk over the road without being knocked over, uh, looking uh, you know, out for cars and for danger and stuff like that. If he's able to do all those things on his own, then it means he is mumayiz. He can discern, so he can become Muslim, even though he is not mukallaf. This is the view of the majority of scholars. And they cite, obviously, a historical example to this, and that is when Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib, who grew up in the house of Rasulullah when he became Muslim, he was still a young boy. He was not yet mukallaf. But the Prophet had accepted his shahada and had accepted his, him embracing Islam. So... Um, this shows that obviously it is allowed for them to become Muslim. And just to repeat the question that was actually asked with regards to circumcision, a person may become Muslim without being circumcised. We will then encourage that person to do the circumcision at a later stage, whatever is suitable for that person's needs, inshallah. MashaAllah, shukran, Sheikh. And to add to that, the individual that sent through the question said that these boys are very eager to learn and they're already in Majasa every afternoon, MashaAllah. Yeah, so we should encourage, we should not discourage, and mm. we can look at the other details at a later stage. Jazakallah. Inshallah, when we come back, um, somebody wants uh, the full explanation of the procedure of Salaturain. Sheikh goes through that, inshallah. And uh, various other questions that we received via SMS and uh, via email, so please do keep them coming through on 47913, answering your questions on the edition of questions and answers back in a moment questions and answers with Sheikh Ibrahim was Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to questions and answers. Uh, please note that we do accept your SMSs. WhatsApps do get a little bit troubled and lost along the way. It will not be necessarily answered immediately. So you can otherwise call our studio 021-442-3500 during office hours as well as on a Saturday morning. Or you can fax us on 021-447-271. Okay, so Sheikh, the next one reads, Assalamu alaikum, shukran for a beautiful program, alhamdulillah. Now, my husband of 18 years, uh, if married, has been going through a difficult patch in terms of our marriage, and he feels he wants a talaq, but cannot say why, and his parents are also unhappy with him, and does not want him to give the talaq. Sheikh, how is this viewed? Yeah, most probably if he is not able to provide any good reasons why he wants to give a divorce or issue a talaq, then it's probably not a good decision because you only give a talaq as a last resort. And if you are very clear, you know, why you are doing it, if uh, things in, in the marriage is at the point of breakdown, etc., that is when you actually give a talaq. And the second thing is if your parents are unhappy with you, that is another thing to consider because you, don't, you won't get the satisfaction of Allah if your parents are dissatisfied with you. Mm. So uh, I want to also say, 
say that uh, perhaps you know the, the the difficult patch that you are going through if it is a financial one if it is a social one you should then get the help to solve those issues and not give it talaq thinking that that will solve the Solution, issue yeah. maybe you will give talaq and you will still have a financial issue or you will still have a, a problem that you have so sort out your issues that needs to be short, sorted out and uh, do not use the talaq as a reason or as a means for you to sort of uh, vent your frustrations because that may not be the, the proper solution to your problem and we also caution you that shaitan you know this is one of the things that he's very good at one of his main duties is in fact as Allah says in the Quran in verse 102 of Surah Al-Baqarah they try to cause disputes or separation between husband and wife you know this is shaitan's duty and in fact this ahadith that shows that the main shaitan you know when when the other ones come on a daily basis to report what they had done of havoc and of evil etc he doesn't seem to be very much impressed until one of them comes and he says he says I, uh, ins- I, I did whatever I could until I separated between him and his wife or his family and so the hadith says so the main shaitan, you know, he brings him close, brings the other one close, and he says to him, Ni'ma anta, what a good thing it is that you did. So the shaitan actually rejoices when couples are split and when divorce takes place. Mm. So if you have issues, try to solve those issues. If it's issues with your marriage, in fact, between you and your, husband, your wife, rather, make sure that you get a counselor to speak to you. And if at the end of the day there is a good reason why you want out of the marriage, mm. then of course divorce is a solution. It can be a last resort and a solution. We're not saying you shouldn't get divorced, uh, but we are saying don't get divorced without knowing full well what the reasons are or at least uh, trying at least to expedite the possibilities of solving your, your marriage first. So those are the things that you must consider and not just get divorced because remember the consequences of it is great. You know, you will, uh, a partner of 18 years is not a short time. To just to give up that, like that, you know. Um, and very often we think that the, the grass perhaps is green on the other side. But once we actually go through that, I've heard many people say, how they wish they can go back to their first marriage. Hmm. How they wish they could just have what they had, you know. Because the, a new marriage comes with new problems, comes with new issues, comes with new challenges. You know, it's, no marriage is free of these issues. So uh, we hope, inshallah, this husband will come to his senses and not just divorce his wife unless he's absolutely certain that this is the only so- solution to his problem. All the best to that couple, inshallah. Now, Sheikh, what is the ruling on buying something for husband or wife uh, for Valentine's Day? Is this permissible? Yeah, I would uh, strongly suggest, you know, that we, co- we distance ourselves from things associated with this, with Valentine's, etc. Uh, as we know, it's a, it's a, commercialization, it's a commercialization of you know, selling things during this day, etc. We as husband and wife should actually be uh, gifting one another things throughout the year, you know, and not only on one day. We should uh, try our best to, to spoil one another and to give gifts and surprise one another. The element of surprise is always a nice one, you know, and not make it predictable, etc. So uh, the, the husband and wife is really, you know, impressed when they see that, the, uh, let's say the wife sees that the husband went out of his way to get flowers or to get whatever, you know. This loving um, exchange of gifts must continue throughout the year. And also taking into consideration, really, if you look at the background where Valentine's, 
days where Valentine's Day come from. You know, it has a very bad background. We find that the Romans uh, of the ancient times they used to use this uh, period of time. You know, between February the 13th and February the 15th, they actually used to uh, use this time to actually coerce women to have uh, relations with them. And what they would actually do is they would whip these women, you know, using animals' uh, skin. And these animals would be sacrificed before the time. And they would take the skin and they would whip these women and abuse them, you know. And they would be in a state of drunkenness and nakedness, etc. So it has a very bad uh, history and background. So we as Muslims, we should stay away from anything associated with it. And rather, you know, um, live with our spouses in a good way and spoil them throughout the year on all occasions, inshallah. That is a much better option than to follow uh, the, uh, you know, the Western concept of having one day uh, for this event and spending a lot of money on this one day of things, a lot of times things that are useless also, things that are not really beneficial as mm. such, but it's just people making money out of it. So we should uh, rather stay clear from those kinds of things. Jazakallah, Sheikh, for that advice, inshallah, when we get back. Um, siblings wants to get uh, a partner for their beloved brother or sister. Is this allowed, Sheikh? We ask uh, that question and more after the short break. Do stay tuned. Questions and Answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Mouas. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to our last few minutes of questions and answers. Inshallah, shukran so much for uh, joining us as always. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Now, regarding marriage, should the older brother, siblings, help seek a potential partner or partners for their unmarried sisters? Um, is that not the better way to do things instead of them doing it themselves from anonymous? Uh, yeah, not necessarily. Um, it's not necessarily a better thing. Um, uh, you know, we should consider, yes, that it could be a good thing. Uh, but it should be on condition that our sisters actually would want that or they actually want us to help them. Mm. You know, um, and it could fall under the verse where Allah says, Assist one another in that which will lead to righteousness and to uh, God consciousness. So we assist one another. But let's say our sisters, they, they, they don't want us to do that. They rather want to, you know, do it themselves, etc. Then we shouldn't, we shouldn't be forceful in these things. Mm. We can suggest, etc., partners, we can try. But we, we should get the consent of our sisters as well. We should get the buy-in of it. You know, I, I know a lot of people, they don't like people to pry in their personal lives yes, like yeah. this. But rather they want to do things by themselves, etc. So uh, it's it's not necessarily a better thing. But if you consult with your sisters and they say, in fact, you know, uh, we wouldn't mind you to look out for us if you have a friend or if you have somebody that you know. If they say that, then of course it will be a great thing mm -hmm. because then you are helping them, as I said, to reaching uh, something which is very important in their lives, finding their better halves, etc. But I think it must be done through consultation. I think brothers, they shouldn't be over eager just to do it you know thinking that i'm the buddha i will just do it you know whether you like it or not i'll just get a partner for you and you will just accept it that is not how things work you know uh, we should consult and even a father you know there should be conversation between him and his daughter you know when they're looking for a prospective bride uh, etc uh, that is inshallah the best possible option that one can uh, state in this case Again, on potential um, spouses, Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum. The next one reads, My son married a girl within three months of meeting her. We as parents were really surprised. Soon after that, her mom started borrowing money from them uh, for a talaq. They didn't even contribute to the wedding. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure what the question. Yeah, what yeah. the what the question is with regards to borrowing money for a talaq. I mean, whose talaq first of all? Is mm-hmm. it the talaq of the mom or the talaq of the mom's, uh, you know, the mom's daughter? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you obviously, you don't need money for a talaq like that. I mean, you don't pay for a talaq. There must so maybe be, that's the question. Yeah, there must obviously be uh, legitimate reasons, etc. P- proper channels must be followed. And yes, there may be some institutions that take a nominal fee, you know, a minimal fee for administration. Mm. But talaq itself is not, uh, shouldn't become something that is, uh, uh, if you pay it, you get it, you know, because then people will just pay their way out of things Mm. without following the proper procedures. So uh, in this case, yes, of course, uh, uh, the mother should be uh, spoken to and asked, you know, what is the issue, what is the money for. Uh, if it's talaq for our own, you know, we should try to help and see, you know, is talaq the best option and why do you need money to do it? And you should be careful if you are paying money for it, most likely the person who's conducting or is administrating it is just after the money, you mm. know, and not really wanting to solve your issues. So those are perhaps ideas that we could share with the mother here. And uh, yes, it's a, it's a pity. Uh, I mean, they got married and uh, it's a pity that these problems, you know, that comes up like this so early, um, so early on in the marriage. But it's normal also in a certain sense because we need to settle down and we need to obviously um, uh, find one another, etc. And uh, many times if we're able to ride that particular wave, Afterwards, we'll see that things uh, does go better, inshallah. And so we hope all of the best for this particular couple. Inshallah. Maybe the questions are around the fact that he only knows her for so little and now he now needs to get her, get to know her and the family. So a beautiful advice for that, uh, just to, inshallah, give him the strength to get through the... The, the difficult times at the beginning already uh, came with it. <laughs> Inshallah, Sheikh. Uh, the next one reads, Assalamu alaikum. Imam, my husband doesn't nafaka me. He stays with another woman. He refused to talak me. One Sheikh mentioned that you can get out by paying your dowry back. How can I proceed as it's going on now for more than 10 years? Sure. Yeah, this is quite a long time, you know, that uh, this marriage is in uh, trouble. Uh, so something Limbo, uh, yeah. must have must have been done, you know, a long time ago already. You shouldn't have waited ten years for it to to go on. But I suppose a lot of people they have hope. Maybe things yes. will change. Yes. You know, give him another chance. Let's mm. see. You know, uh, I think that is the case in many. And uh, inshallah, the intentions are good. You know, because they don't want to just give up like that. So what we can say here is obviously, if your husband has not given you nafaka for this long period that you are saying, you are entitled. For an annulment of your marriage, you can go for a fasakh. So you go to any of the the judicial bodies. You state your case. They will obviously do an investigation to see if your claims are true. They will call him in if he admits to this and is proof for it, etc. And they are convinced that he didn't give you nafaka. Then on this basis, they will give you uh, an annulment of the na- of the marriage. Mm. You know, in this case, you don't need to pay anything or like that. You simply have to go through the procedure. Okay, of a fasakh, we call it a fasakh, which is the annulment of marriage, and it can be given. A fasakh can be given on the grounds of non-payment of nafaka. However, if you feel that this is not going to work, but rather you want him just to talak you, because sometimes it's the procedure that puts people off. It's going to take maybe a long time, and you have to go into the judicial body. There's going to be hearings, etc. So, if you don't want that, yes, you can have an arrangement with him that is called in Islam. It is called khula. Khul basically means where you ask your husband to divorce you because things are, uh, you know, uh, at a point of breakdown. And so you say to him, look, 
why don't you just divorce me and I'll pay you something. I'll give you back my dowry or I'll give you back something. Mm-hmm. And this is allowed in Islam. It is mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 229, where Allah Ta'ala says, There is no problem between them if they made an agreement of khul' if she is going to pay him something back. And in fact, this is something that happened in the time of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. There was a woman uh, that came to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. She was married to a person called Thabit ibn Qais. So she said to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, O Prophet of Allah, uh, Thabit ibn Qais, um, you know, I can't say anything bad about him with regards to his character or his deen or like that. But I, I don't like to do injustice as far as my married life is concerned. In other words, I can't see myself living with him. Although I can't really uh, point out his faults, at the same time, I can't find myself living in this marriage any longer. So the Prophet ﷺ asked her, would you give him back the garden that he gave you as dowry? So she said, yes, I will do that. You know. So the Prophet ﷺ then said to uh, Thabit ibn Qais, he called him in and he said to him, Iqbalil wa So take the, the garden back which you gave her as dowry, take it back and give her a divorce. And this hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari. And so this idea of khulr is a solution whenever the husband doesn't want to give a talaq. Mm-hmm. He feels he didn't do anything wrong or he's not prepared to give a talaq. So the, the, the wife then makes it attractive to him by saying to him, just give me the divorce. I'm prepared to settle with you. Mm-hmm. I'll give you amount of money, you know. And that is allowed in Islam as long as the two of them agree upon it. In your case, however, you don't have to go to this extent of going into a khul agreement. If you have the patience to go through the procedure of applying for a fasakh or an annulment, then that would obviously be sufficient. They will give you an annulment of your marriage on the grounds of non-payment of, of nafaqa. Jazakallah khair, uh, Sheikh. And unfortunately, that's where we have to leave Q&A for today. All the best until we chat to Sheikh. Hopefully next week again, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Jazakumullah khairan to you and to our listeners. Until we meet again, wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And from myself, Khawa Salomon, be well and safe wherever you are. Wassalamu alaikum and goodbye for now.